Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone back once again. Took a little hiatus, but uh, now we are back on the airwaves again. I've been moving, which is always a lot of fun. Podcast gear is everywhere. One new place, one old place, all so good in the world right now and all so good in the world of football in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Man, cannot complain at all. I can't complain at all to be in the good graces of Dave Richardson, the co-pilot of the Never Punt podcast. New name change. I just want to get everybody up to speed. The Never Punt podcast. Welcome, everyone. Dave, how are you doing, bud? Feeling good. Um, Kurt, yeah, we, we did have a little bit of a hiatus there last week. You know, a lot of people ask me about the podcast and like, you know, how many people do you, you know, have working for you on this, this, this production? <laughs> Uh, and there's pretty much almost always shocked to hear that it's just you and I. And so when something trivial <laughs> comes up in our lives, um, that means sometimes we can't do that podcast that week. So I had a mulligan when I was sick. You had a mulligan last week yeah. um, with moving, but that's okay. Yeah. It's... Seahawks were on a bye, so it wasn't really that crucial of, of a week to miss. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, gave you a little time to get sorted. And um, it gave the Seahawks some time to get their offensive line sorted because I saw uh, a little bit better offense uh, last Sunday. I was excited about that. Reese Odiambo actually did something at left tackle. <laughs> actually that blocked somebody. Actually blocked somebody for the first time. Only one sack allowed in that game, which is pretty amazing to me. And um, Jermaine Effetti, not so good. He had some – his when he false starts, he doesn't just flinch. He full-on releases off the line. Like yeah. it's maybe one of the most obvious false starts. He gave two of them in that last game that were – about as obvious as could be. Um, but none, nonetheless, the offensive line overall had their best game of the year going all the way to, to New York, um, which is now becoming, I think, CenturyLink East. I think we're something like 5-0 and <laughs> plus the Super Bowl win in that stadium, um, which is hard to do. It's hard to go across the country and play well, and the Seahawks still didn't hit their stride. Nope. But did play well. Kurt, how did you feel about the game? Yeah, I think it's sad. I think it's sad that we get to the point where our offensive line plays marginally well and uh and we're all pretty happy about that. And 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 even the saddest part is that it, when they play marginally well, the offense actually can move the football. Um I know a lot of people were still poo pooing the offense a little bit this last weekend, and honestly, I'm uh I'm, I would say, pretty satisfied and extremely pleased with how uh, well the Hawks played and this offense. I mean, honestly, you're you're looking at a couple mistakes, a couple execution mistakes away from really blowing out the New York Giants, a team that actually was coming off a pretty morale booster win over the Denver Broncos the week before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this was actually a pretty good team that was in a good spot. You were traveling across the country. You were playing at the Meadowlands. And you thought that uh, you thought you were going to be able to um, play a a pretty tough team, especially defensively. The Giants aren't that much of a pushover defensively. It's their offense has been so anemic this year. But 
I mean, uh, for for the Seattle Seahawks and the way that they were able to play offense in New York, or I should say New Jersey, um, I think I, I'm pretty happy with how they play, Dave. And I I think they definitely could have been a more of a blowout. I mean, they had, what was the stat, 15 plays within the red zone, and they weren't able to get points out of those, out of the, any of those plays. And you're just, you're really a few drops or a few execution plays away from really blowing out the um, the Giants in in the Meadowlands. So I'm pretty happy with it. They were able to move the football. I mean, the yardage was there. They were able to move the football pretty much between the one yard lines, you know, from one side of the field to the other, just completed, put the football in the end zone. And I think that's something that's honestly, Dave, going to be um, something they can sure up pretty quick. I don't think that's going to be a season long problem for them. I'm just happy they were able to move the football and, really get a lot of the pieces involved. Obviously, I'd like the run, running attack to be more involved and seeing some more success out of that, but seeing that offensive line play the way they did is a huge boost of, of confidence moving forward. And I don't know. I, I think there's a, there's a chance, Dave, where this team is going to mold into this elite Super Bowl caliber team here in the next <laughs> few weeks. I'm convinced I mean, this defense. You yourself into it. Oh, I've already gone to that point. Don't, don't, oh, don't get me wrong, man. Dave. Uh, Dave, honestly, this defense is playing 2013-esque right now, and this defense is playing out of their minds. Um, what they did to that, uh, yeah, I know, I get it. New York Giants, they, they don't have, a, they don't have any weapons. They're all banged up. They're all hurt. They, they didn't do anything. But you know what? They didn't allow them to do anything. Still, like they just put their foot on their throat and smashed it. The only touchdown they get is because we freaking fumbled it on what the thirty yard line. So we gave them short field to work with anyway. So, well, well, Kurt, you were upset about um, some mistakes that happened in that game, and you're our regional Jimmy Graham hater. How did you oh feel about? Gosh, um, I about game? I about <laughs> threw my remote to the flipping TV. I'm so. Over that it, that hit him right in the belt box. Oh <laughs> my gosh! And then he dropped another wide open pass down oh, the sideline. Yeah, that, that was a forty yard passing play. I mean, Easy, probably a touchdown. He probably could have made one guy miss, maybe because we've already seen him go one on one with somebody this season, and he's already wilted like a little peppered cat. So I don't <laughs> think I don't think there's any. I don't even know, but he just looked pathetic, and 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 and. Dropping another couple wide open passes. All right, the one in the end zone wasn't wide open, but it hit him right in the uh, belt buckle. That's a definite drop. That should definitely be counted as a drop, and he should have for sure. That was so brutal because that was fourth down, and I it think he won. Was. It certainly and was. He and I think, it over to I him, think and the it was drop. Easy, he scored a touchdown on the exact same play, though, essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't be entirely hard on him because he ended up redeeming himself catching a touchdown pass, the exact same pass, which is makes it even more pathetic. But um, I, I'm still on this train of Where that man is making $10 million, dude, and, that, and he still plays a most unpassionate uh, brand of football. I just think he just – just when you watch him, it just looks like he's going through the motions. Yeah. But did you – I mean, sometimes it doesn't mean he's going through the motions, but did you also see – them um, just at practice the other day. It's Friday today when we're recording this. It's Thursday yeah. yesterday for practice. Did you see them at practice and practicing their new um, 
techno celebration. That was maybe one of the saw, best things. I saw something on Twitter about that, and you know, great. I'm glad. We I'm need great. to retweet that at the Never Punt Pod um, Twitter account. Yes. Quick shout out to that. Um, draw a little more attention. Um, yes. That was probably one of the funniest things I've actually seen from Seahawks practice. Was Tanner McAvoy in the middle of all of our tight ends and Eddie Lacy as like a techno beat dropped, and then a flute solo came out and they pretended to do a flute jig around him yeah, which made me like jimmy a little bit more because of that but during the game it was very frustrating because it was he's kind of already this um polarizing figure right people either be staunchly i'm going to defend him no matter what or i want him traded no matter what you know it's kind of like a don't give up on him guys and a and he had such a great season last year and look right. he had a touchdown or we're overpaying him. He's dropping things. He's not, you know, performing like we want to. That was a real – I feel like there was ammo for both sides from that game. Right. Like, both sides were like, look, he redeemed himself. Touchdown. We're throwing to him. It worked. And then the others – and, you know, kind of how you're coming from. Okay, he's dropping passes. Uh, he could have had a much bigger game. Despite those drops, though, Russell Wilson played fantastic. Yeah, he played well. 300, I think it was 34 passing yards and three touchdowns. He had a pretty amazing flea flicker uh, touchdown pass to Paul Richardson, which it feels like Paul Richardson will maybe only catch two balls every game, hopefully more, but one of them will be an unreal catch where he will jump over the back of someone and come down with it. Do you think that was a touchdown that he had in the end zone? Oh, that was a insanely great effort by the cornerback to actually try to rip that thing away. Yeah. Honestly, there was a split second where it was actually really hard to see because at first the receiver got possession and actually caught the football. Then the corner came in and started ripping it away. And then when, and then, we, when they uh, went down to the uh, when they went down to the ground, I had a difficult time seeing who actually came up with the possession. But at that point, it doesn't matter because supposedly there's this rule out there, Dave, where a simultaneous catch goes to the receiver, which is actually a pathetic rule. But well, uh, uh, I, I mean, won a game against Green Bay once upon a time. Yeah, well, we all know how everybody felt about that as well. But um, well, that was a touchdown. Yeah, so. well, I, I, um, but I'm just saying by the per the rule though, Dave. Per the rule, yeah. it doesn't matter who really came up with it because I would say when they came down to the ground, it was more in favor of a simultaneous catch than it was a, a catch by. Um, by the corner because because I think the receiver actually did establish a little bit of a possession when he first like high pointed the ball at the top of the catch. So I think um, I think they got it right. I think they honestly got it right. And in, in the end, it really didn't matter because Seahawks blew him out and he knew that the Giants weren't going to score any more points. Like if the Giants had to drive the distance of the field, no shot. They were just – they had no shot of driving the distance – um, and I feel like he kind of felt the same way both times Saturday and Sunday, Dave, where I, mean, I know we'll get into this more, but also Colorado against Washington State. I mean, he just felt like there's no shot Colorado's going to score if they have to drive the full distance of the field. Like, if they're getting the ball in the 30-yard line, there's still a great chance they're not going to get the football um, in the end zone. So uh, he felt the same way. And, and this defense, though, Dave, is just playing out of this world right now, and they're just playing – so well enforcing teams to make a, just a ton of mistakes on offense. Um, you're just you're getting the pass rush. You're not quite getting the sacks, but you're getting the pass rush up front enough to where they're forcing these quarterbacks to have to get the ball out early. So, um, which is 
leaving lots of opportunities for for this defense to get off the field early, get off the field pretty quick, and they're they're not staying yeah. on the field for so long. The only reason why they've been on the field for so much is because the offense hasn't been able to quite move the ball, but that was a little bit of a different story in New York. So can't can't complain, Dave. Cannot and, uh, complain at shout all. Shout out to Shaquille Griffin for his play, too, if we're going to talk about the defense. Um, the rookie corner had his best game of the year, uh, locking down his side of the field. Um, and you know what? It's just – I. You know, we talked about how well this defense is playing. The the Legion of Boom is is playing as as good as any season they've played. You know, the yeah. twenty thirteen season being the best, so not quite maybe that good. Um, but on a, like a in a sense of just averaging very close to these past years uh, of uh, elite secondary play, they're they're matching that this season, coming right. very close to that and beating some some other years we've had recently. Um, Coleman was a great trade. Oh yeah, um, with the Patriots. For a slot corner, he's working out really well, which is making, I think, Jeremy Lane expendable. So I'm curious what will happen at the trade deadline. Shaquille Griffin, uh, six feet tall. He played very well this game. I think that's a good confidence booster. And it's it's funny to me how the franchises that can just scout the bananas out of one position and just yeah. nail it and just late draft picks, they can pull it, you know, whoever they bring in seems to do pretty well. And then in other positions, they just cannot figure it out for the life of them. And for the Seahawks, it really feels like we are lights out when it comes to uh, secondary, it comes to yeah. scouting, um, drafting those players, developing those players. Uh, and we had some trouble, you know, after Maxwell and Browner kind of figure out who's going to be after Sherman. But overall, we've still had pretty good um, secondary play. Yep. Um, I but think... we cannot figure out the O-line for the life of us. Yeah, if the O-line it's... is just average – the team is becomes very, very good. Yep. Um, and so I just want to give a quick shout out to Shaq. And unfortunately, we've been talking about how Cliff Averill may or may yeah, not return this what a bummer. ever. But his position was filled recently by the signing of 37-year-old Dwight Freeney, who got a sack in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Um, how do you feel about that pick? He's or that that pickup. He's older, obviously, but he was decently productive last year, especially in the playoffs. You think he's still got some uh, juice in the oh, tank? Oh, I'm to, sure he does. Ball? I'm sure he does. And, and just, I think just him alone allows a lot of the other guys, because they're still going to have to keep a little bit, um, you know, an emphasis on blocking him. He still has a little bit of an ability to get in the backfield and, and apply the pressure. That spin move. He's still got that spin. You no, know, right? he's still got the Freeney spin for sure. And yeah. and I, I think that's what's gonna what's gonna happen there, Dave, is it's gonna allow really the other guys like Michael Bennett and Reed and um Nazir Jones and a lot of these other guys, Frank Clark, they're they're gonna allow a lot of these other guys to to maybe get some one on one matchups and allow them to to get in the backfield. Now I don't think Freeney's definitely not. He's definitely past his prime. He's not going to be garnering really double teams throughout the entire football game. But obviously that just him alone allows this defensive line to work even at a higher level. Um, and I, I think it's, I think it's a good, I think it's a good pickup. It's a really low risk, you know, not a lot of money invested in the whole thing. It adds some depth, so it gives an opportunity for some other guys to to get a breather. Um, yeah, because Frank Clark's snaps have increased dramatically since um, since yeah, Cliff Averill's left, which is not a bad thing. It's it's great for the young guy to get a lot of 
a lot of experience now, and he's really lived up to it too. I mean, Frank Clark is just playing some fantastic football right now, and so it's been it's been great to watch him flourish, but bringing Freeney on allows him to stay fresh and allow him to to really play at that high level throughout the entire football game. So it's just a really depth moving um, depth a depth move. Um, I should say, and I think that's going to be a huge addition. But going to back to your comment about the secondary, Dave, yeah. uh, I think a lot of that also has to do with with Earl Thomas. Like Earl Thomas makes the LOB move and go and go where it wants because those corners know that Earl has their back and they're able to play an aggressive style of football in the faces of these guys um, and, and really – um, have confidence that Earl's going to be able to to maybe clean up something that they're not able to uh, to take care of, uh, you know, a missed assignment or so on. I think Earl is really the glue that keeps this all together, and I think we saw that last year when Earl got hurt. The secondary definitely was not even close to um, playing at the level that they're used to playing. So I think um, – yeah, I think that's just a huge piece to that, and also a mentor guy. Like he, I mean, yep. I'm sure Earl and also Sherman are just playing tremendous, um, you know, pieces to to mentoring both Coleman because Coleman's been fantastic, and also Shaq Griffin. Shaq Griffin's really coming into his own, and I think he's kind of establishing his own sort of brand of covering guys on his on on his own island, um, on the what would be the left side of the football yep. field. So. Um, I, I love too that Shaq Griffin has long dreads. He's six feet tall and he wears number 26. Yeah. Sherman tall, long dreads, number 25. It, honestly, they look like brothers. They do. Like, I think it mixes up um, announcers when they're trying to figure out all the time, made, all made the, the time. It's, it's so hilarious great. to me. It reminds me a, a lot of like, um, early on when, when we had Tate and Baldwin, they were young. We didn't really know what they had. It was like the same player in the sense that like, they would always make a third down catch that was awesome. They were both these shorter kind of quick receivers, and they just kind of dap each other after a catch. And they were like these little brothers. They were so fun to watch, like just making plays. And I feel that way now in the reverse with the secondary with these two where you see Shaq make a play and Sherman, you know, gives them a dap or vice versa. And it's like it's like looking at a mirror when they, when they interact with each other. It's hilarious to me. Um, I wonder if it even – I mean – I'm sure quarterbacks have an awareness of what's going on here. But if you're looking down the field and you're trying to avoid Sherman, you see someone looks a lot like Sherman. Is there maybe a second guess here on, on throwing that football? But um, that cracks me up. Um, the trade deadline, I believe it's Tuesday, yep. the 31st, Halloween. Um, there were rumors earlier on that we were going to trade for a left tackle. There's been a rumor that Jeremy Lane was on, on the chopping block. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo just made a trade, literally just not even an hour before we started recording this podcast. They traded away Marcel uh, Darius, who is an excellent defensive tackle, to the Jaguars, who have had an excellent Wow. Actually had a league worst in terms of yards per carry of, in allowing rushes. They allow over five yards per carry, which is crazy to me because I think they're also on pace to set the NFL sack record. Clayus Campbell has something yep. like 10 sacks, and he had all of like maybe – 10 last year he is unreal i know this podcast is mostly about seahawk football cougar football but calais campbell is playing out of his mind i really want to catch a jags game to watch that so i bring that up though because buffalo's in a weird spot where they were sellers early on they um they traded away 
who was it? Ronald Darby um, to the Eagles um, before the season started. And they made one other trade, which I'm I'm spacing on right now. I wish I would have it in front of me. And they just traded away um, their defense tackles I talked about. But they're winning games right now. So it's kind of weird. Usually you're a seller when your team isn't doing that well. Their team's actually doing well, and they're selling their team. And I'm wondering if there's a chance that we could pick up one of their tackles. Um, the head coach, Sean McDermott, talked about this recently and said, um, you know, they feel they have, I think it was something like five um, quality tackles um, on their team, and they're valuable. I mean, a lot of, and he knows it. He said those those players are worth a, a lot. We know that. But if they're in, in the selling market, um, I wonder if they would possibly sell us a, a Cordy Glenn or a Seantra Hudson, uh, Henderson. Um, who, who's a big boy, um, but someone that could really feel like it would you – know, outside of the running game, which I still feel like can click with these running backs, is our biggest weakness right now is the left tackle position. And I don't – the thing is I don't really want to trade more draft picks away, um, seeing as though we just – you know, we've done that with getting Sheldon Richardson. Um, but I wonder if there, there's a move somewhere to shore that up or if there's – if we – you know, Jeremy Lane now maybe expendable with how well Coleman's been playing. He's taking up a significant amount of cap. I'd like to see trade with Buffalo. Do you think there's going to be any moves, um, you know, before Tuesday? I just don't know if it's going to happen from Seattle, though. It, honestly, you're going to have to make a decision where you're one. one okay, yeah, is Jeremy Lane going to be able to be, um, you know, somebody going to want, uh, I guess, an inside corner, a nickelback corner? He could potentially play in an outside corner position, um, yeah. but the problem is his contract. So, you know, obviously Seahawks want to get rid of that contract because they have Coleman now, but you also have to look at depth. Like, is somebody going to get banged up? Can, can you rely on Jeremy Lane to to really step up if someone was to get banged up in the in the secondary? Second off is, are you willing to part ways with your draft picks? And, um, you know, draft picks are always certainly part of the equation when you're trying to draft away. Um, or try to trade away, um, you know, draft picks. And so I honestly don't think the Seahawks are in a position to trade away draft picks. The Seahawks are getting older. They're, they're, they're aging a little bit. And I think the, the Seahawks prize their picks, especially when it comes to offensive line. Uh, but I think, I think they prize their, their picks, um, especially their later round picks. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I don't know, Dave, I, I think the Seahawks are going to be pretty silent, pretty idle when it comes to the, to the trade deadline right now. And, you know, obviously they could surprise us, but, uh, you know, the other one was Dwayne Brown yeah. who will be playing against on Sunday. He yep. just reported and he's left tackle. He has a big contract, though, so we'd have to make a swap with one of our big contracts, which you know what makes sense the most would be Jimmy Graham. Yeah. But he reported, so I thought, okay, well, that's a done deal. That's over. He, he's playing. But Bob McNair, the owner of the Texans, oh, who's yeah. kind of already notorious for being one of the cheaper, uh, just lower-quality owners in the NFL. Um, a lot of players don't seem to like him, and his team has struggled to, to keep players and, and to make the right moves. Came out today and said something really dumb during the owners' meeting. He said, <laughs> we don't want the prisoners running the prison and yeah. talking about yeah, the, inmates. the NFL yeah. kneeling protests, which I want to believe he's just incredibly ignorant, and that is just he just was not thinking. I want to believe that, that he just made a huge mistake. He's apologized, uh, which is good. But – 
I also it, just the state this country is in where things are and, and where things are at, it's hard to, to not think that there's something a little more, um, you know, sinister behind saying something like that. Gosh. And there was a planned possible walkout right now in the Texans. The Texans had a uh, player meeting. Dwayne Brown said, um, I have a quote right here. It said, there's a thousand emotions going through your mind. One emotion is to leave the building completely, but we decided to go to work. I wonder if it could kind of kick in for him to want, you know, he came back reluctantly and then this happens. Does that, you know, maybe feel like he's going to not going to want to play for the Texans again and, and maybe force a move. I don't know. So right. it's just a little thing that just made me think uh, if it's possible, but the Texans on the field have been playing pretty darn good football. Deshaun Watson has been unreal. He's on pace, I believe for 40 touchdowns. Right. Maybe that was last week and maybe that stats a week old. I don't know if he's still on that pace, which the rookie record for passing touchdowns is 26. That's uh, Peyton Manning and your own Russell Wilson are tied for that mark. So w- Watson's on pace to crush that. And he didn't even start the regular season. Um, so he's playing out of his mind. And Will Fuller's also playing out of his mind in the sense that I, I believe Will Fuller has something like five catches and like four touch- Four of them are touchdowns. Um how are you feeling about the game this weekend, Kurt? Are you feeling like the Seahawks are going to get the yeah, media? And I think it's I think it's going to be. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be a pretty lopsided win for Seattle's favor this weekend. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Rookie quarterbacks, young quarterbacks coming into CenturyLink Field, have not done well at all, and uh, there's been a history. There's been a history of. Young quarterbacks, yeah, young quarterbacks and rookies really just struggling in CenturyLink Field in that in that kind of environment, and you're going up against one of the best defenses in the league right now. I think Deshaun Watson's going to have. Um, I still think he's going to have a, a decent game. I, I still think that he's going to uh, regress a little bit from the the pace that he has been playing at. Is he going to throw for four, four, four or five touchdowns? this weekend no i don't think so i think and the running game is semi okay uh it's i don't think i think it's going to run right into a wall again and their defense their defense is really banged up their defense is really banged up they've lost merciless they've lost jj watt and cushing's out suspended so there's just a lot of talent that's missing from this Texans defense, and their defense has not been playing well at all. I think Seattle's going to pick up right where they left off last weekend um, and really finish drives by putting it into the end zone. And I really, I honestly think this is going to be a great weekend for this Seattle team to really take the step forward and becoming that sort of that high perennial elite team in the NFL that I just started the the podcast off with. Um, I think you're really going to start seeing this team take shape this weekend, uh, barring any injuries. But uh, I honestly think this is a great Great moment for this team to really start to catch stride, Dave. And what's the score? What score? Oh, I think this score is going to be. Uh, I think this score is going to be like a thirty-one. It's going to be a thirty-one-fourteen matchup. Oh so. my gosh, Kurt! I knew it. I knew you were going to have the same prediction as me. Oh no! Like, Are you kidding me? 
I was like, Kurt's gonna, he's gonna, I, I wrote this down before, I could show you, it's right in front of me right now, and I was like. Yeah, you, sh you should take a picture Kurt, of that and post it on a freaking Twitter account, Dave. Kurt is weirdly going to pick the same scores, and he said 31, I was like, it's actually happening, and then you said 14, so. That's awesome. All right, so I'm also picking the 31-14, obviously, um, that you picked as well, and, you, you know, there's a role that I really bias we're Seahawks fans so I want this to happen but I want us to kind of be the hype destroyers I want us to be the team that when people are feeling good about their young quarterback that when they play against us that it just and that happened with Jared Goff when we played early on and yeah. overall I want Watson to be good because I feel like the Texans have just been a quarterback away from being a borderline you know even if they're healthy um of, of making a deep playoff run and Watson's been really fun to watch so I want that to continue I want him to have an RG3 kind of career um, but I want this to be a game um, where, where we can end the hype and I feel the same way and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here but with um, you know Carson Wentz and the Eagles when when they come to town um, it feels like the table's set for the Seahawks um, to really set themselves up well um, for playoff when the NFC became wide open uh, the day Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone, which is terrible. The yeah, NFL is awful. better with him in it, and I'm not celebrating an injury because I think that's awful. It's a real person uh, who hurt himself badly. Um, but the consequences of that are a wide-open NFC. I don't feel like there's any 100% locked-in favorite for the one and two seed. Um, but I, the Eagles are playing very well, and they get to play us at home, which will be tough. And so I – I like I said, thirty-one fourteen. I see that the the offense continue clicking with this wounded defense. See the O line playing well. I really want to see Thomas Rawls get more carries. He looked decent in New York. I think you just got to keep feeding him. We'll see some good things. He's got a hold on to the ball. Yeah, barring the fumble. Yeah, dropped the ball too on another screen. Yeah, uh, that was a bit of a bummer. That's right. Um, but I I don't even think this is going to be really that close of a game. Maybe in the first half because we cannot score on the first drive ever. Um, but I feel like it's going to be by the second half, it'll be pretty smooth sailing where I'm not going to feel too worried about it. And we're going to watch some really fun defensive football this game. I love it. I love it. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be awesome. Dave, moving on to, uh, Washington state football. Um, yep. Absolute dominant performance this last weekend <laughs> in miserable, miserable conditions and you yes. got to give so much credit i think everybody always goes always poo-poos this offense when it has terrible conditions like they played in they've played in tough conditions before and uh mm -hmm. they've the offense sort of seems like it continues to click along i guess the only times that the offense has really been anemic this year has been actually in good weather um in Cal and against Boise State on a beautiful day in Pullman, um, there's been there's been better days that uh, the offense actually hasn't been played as well this year than uh, than it has in, in in sort of poor weather conditions and and you've seen that throughout the Mike Leach era. I mean, they played they came back and beat Oregon, dropped forty points on Oregon a couple of years ago. The first time we beat them um, was in a rainstorm. We played the Sun Bowl and. Uh, snow, um, yeah. I, you know, there's been a couple times where Leach has played in snow, uh, this offense. So, I mean, this is this offense is really can, can be designed to play in any sort of conditions, which is pretty awesome to see. And, and when the defense is playing as well as it is right now, Dave, 
uh, the conditions even make it better for them. So uh, this uh, is it. Is it safe to say we've got ourselves a, a defensive Washington State team now? We could call it a defensive team instead of a instead of an offensive power team. I think now? that's what's throwing everyone off. Still, is this is a Mike Leach led team? So you just think quarterback, passing yards, offense, offense, offense. The defense is is now the main focus of this team. Surpass the offense and being the spotlight and being what is what wins us games. Is is you always think Mike Leach, oh well our crazy passing offense will get it done, you know, whatever it is, you know, you know, against Rutgers a minute left, you know, a couple of years back, go down score, do that against Oregon when you needed to a couple of years back. The offense is what does it. No, it's it's the defense now that is getting it done. A shutout was such a good thing for this team to get to hang its hat on. People can blame the weather and that aided it, but Colorado couldn't do it. Colorado didn't shut nope. us out because of the weather. So nope. I also have a huge man crush on Frankie Louvu. I mean, oh, we had dude. six tackles for loss. Three of them were sacks, and he had two of them. I love the Cobra um, hand sign he does when he gets a sack. He is an animal. <laughs> he is so fast, and he's so instinctive. You kind of see him lurk back there for about a half a second for the O-line to get set. He sees his gap, and he just fires through it. Um, and he's a very disruptive player. The stadium was half full for the second half. How do you feel about that for fans not wanting to stick around in the weather? Do you think it was legit? What I heard on Twitter, people who were there said it was absolutely miserable. Oh, it was miserable. So I actually obviously – uh, not obviously, but I had a chance to go to the game. I had a couple friends that went. Uh, one was actually a Colorado Buffalo, and so um, there was their first time going to Pullman, so I was actually maybe – considering going with them and kind of showing them around town and showing how awesome Pullman is. And at the last second, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go. And I do not regret that decision at all after watching that game from my nice, warm, cozy couch and living room on uh, on that Saturday night. And uh, talking to them after the game, they were so miserable. Obviously, it doesn't help that their team was getting shut out and getting blown yeah. out. But they said uh, no, it, they were Colorado just, yeah, yeah, right. It, they just, they just felt so miserable, so cold, and just listening to everybody how like they just could not wear enough layers to keep themselves warm and dry. And yeah. honestly, the game was sort of sloppy too. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't that much. I would say it was that exciting of a game to to watch. And uh, I honestly, Dave, I don't, I don't blame the students. I mean, if if I'm a student going and I've seen my team up fourteen nothing, and it's sort of a brutal game to watch, and it is so cold and it's just so rainy. Honestly, Dave, as an eighteen or nineteen year old, I'd rather go back to my warm dorm room and start drinking again. I mean, it's just not. I, it's just really a tough, tough ask for these students when yeah. it's literally ten thirty at you know or nine thirty at night and it's just freaking freezing. I don't give them. I don't. I'm not gonna blame them. I'm not going to to blame them. Of course, I wish that we could be tougher and sit through that and and cheer on our team. But honestly, I'm gonna cut them. I'm gonna cut them some slack. I can't. I can't be that hard on them. And, I was hard on them. At first, when I saw the pictures, I was like, this is trash. We're 15 in the nation. Yeah. I'm going to watch this. And then I saw – I couldn't really tell from the picture. And even um, on my TV at first how bad the rain really was until it kind of zoomed in a little bit more. And I right. saw some different pictures, and I realized, wow, that looks 
absolutely miserable. And the game was never really in jeopardy. I mean, it was close-ish early on. Something weird happened in that game, Kurt. A Colorado offensive lineman was ejected for targeting. Have you ever seen that in, yeah. in a football game before? Uh, well, I haven't seen it in a football game, but it clearly was targeting, so I'm not going to disagree with it at all. Um, I don't disagree with it, but it was bizarre to hear targeting and then hear it was offense and then hear that it was an offensive lineman. Yeah, I think um, – yeah, I, th- I honestly, it was a blatant call. You can't blindside a guy and spear your helmet right into him and knock him out clean. Uh, that's just – they're trying to remove that from the – from the game, these blindsided hits and, uh, and especially a block. And when you're looking at a freaking 310 pounder and he's spearing you with his helmet, that's just, that's just brutal to see. And, um, rightfully so it was called, I think it was properly called. And, and, um, I think that also got a big, that was a big benefit for the Cougs too, uh, to bring in some true freshmen to try to block that left side of the line. And, and it was a, it was a big break for, for Washington state. So um glad that the, 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 the one call that the PAC 12 officials who I felt like called a brutal game. It was, there was one of the worst PAC 12 officiated games I've seen this season. I won't say ever. Cause I have seen some patheticness from the uh, PAC 12 officials, but at least for this season, I think it was one of the worst I've seen. And, I think that also goes back to the conditions they were. Everybody was in. I think it was just all sloppy around. Well, you know, sloppy yep. play all the way around. So, um, but I'm just again super impressed with the offense. Uh, uh, I would have liked it. I would. I guess I gotta watch what I say here. The offense, offensive line played a lot better. I think that's probably one of the best games that they've played this year. Um, up downs, Kurt. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Well, I think the whole offense. I think there was just a sort of this Jimmy Graham apathetic play on the offense and they were just kind of going through the motions and I think they were kind of got caught up in the whole emotion of this game sucks because it's just it's pissing down rain and it's windy and cold and and we're up well we're I think they were up 14 nothing at the time and they felt like that their defense was going to carry them to the win I think they just got complacent and uh I think that just definitely – I think Leach trying to light a fire, which was awesome to see. Who Have you ever seen a coach in the fourth quarter or third quarter make his, teams, make his team do up-downs on the sidelines because they're playing so bad? That's just incredible. I mean, I love it. I mean, it's just team, incredible. like that. The team will go three and out, three and out, three and out in a hurry. And yeah. also move down the field in a hurry as well. Yeah. So it, it'll quickly score and it'll quickly sputter, it feels like. And it was sputtering in the second half. And, and there was a sense of I think they just wanted to get to get out of there. Right. Which I was constantly – he wants his guys to constantly have an attacking attitude. To And you know what? Leach's post-game press conference was really funny when he was like, oh, I'm cold. Oh, I'm wet. Well, I'm kind of soft, so I dropped the ball when he was making fun of his players. I actually died watching that because it's pretty – it's kind of like – it's almost so like what fans yell at players. It's so great. Are being a little bit soft. Right. And Leach absolutely just did that and called him out, um, even in a 28-0 win. Um, because it's true. I don't think you can – I really don't think we're still yet, even though um, – you know, we've only lost one game that we're a team that can just relax in the second half. Right. Um, and, and feel like that'll be okay. That, that would definitely come back to bite us. Okay. For good things that have happened, 
Again, my I have gotten a lot of predictions wrong on this podcast. Woof, boy, I've gotten some bad. I've gotten some <laughs> way, way off, which maybe we'll talk about at the end of the year. Wait, I think at but the end of the year we're gonna have to do like a recorded version and just make fun of all the hot takes that we made. Oh my gosh, yes, this is this is harder to do than I realize now that now that I'm doing it and Jeez. actually being recorded. But one thing I would like to say that I was really really happy to see and just kind of always believed in was Tay Martin. Um, he was my preseason sleeper pick at wide receiver. He got the, the I believe the start since Tavares Martin was suspended and yep. he had that huge 50 yard touchdown. Leach praised him, said he could be one of the best wide receivers on the team, which Leach gives very little praise. If Leach said you played, I thought he did a good job. That's, that seems like that is the highest praise Leach will give. Right. But to say this guy could be the best player on the team and we got to maybe get him some more looks, the best wide receiver on the team, you know, that kind of ability and his story, I think, is, is is a great one coming from the south. I believe he lost one of his parents uh, not too long ago. Right. So I was happy about that. And Garrett McBroom is my other defensive sleeper pick, who also has been turning a very solid season. Kurt, I have a rumor for you. I have okay. a big juicy rumor that I have been sitting on since last week because we didn't do the podcast last Ooh. week and I've been waiting to get a live reaction from you to get your thoughts on wow. this. I I heard from a source in Pullman, okay? This source told me before it came out that Tavares Martin was suspended because he mouthed off to a coach. Now, right. we all knew he was suspended, but we didn't know why for a little bit until I think it was Stephanie Lowe said, oh, so he's right it was his My dad was that right came out. One. His dad came out and told Stephanie Lowe, yeah. Yes. Um, so, but but this connection I have to Pullman uh, told me that first. So he also told me one other thing. Okay. It plays into why, if you remember this, this was this was a very small note. Everybody on the offense did up downs except right. Luke Falk. Do you know which player did do up downs? Luke Falk. Luke yeah, he did crunches. Crunches. So why did Luke Falk do crunches and not up downs? Because he doesn't want to. Because he probably didn't want to land on his arm or something. That's that's right, Kurt. Because during the Boise State game, a rough hit out of the bounds. You can go back and watch, and he comes up and he's holding his left wrist in hand. Yeah. And the rumor is is that Luke Falk has been playing this season with a fractured hand or wrist. Falk does – I mean, Leach does not talk about injuries, so we do not know. But if you watch in the games, um, I think you have to look for a little, very little things that he has been maybe battling through this injury. I can't confirm it. It might be totally off. But they were right on one thing, and I want to believe him on this. And it was confirmed my little tin hat um, conspiracy when I saw him doing crunches to protect his left hand. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily why – I think it is an injury you can play through. Um, but it's obviously not one you want to publicize. Well, they, they've also been talking about having his glove on one hand. Um, yeah. They've also uh, – uh, the commentators on the broadcast have also talked a lot about um, about his glove and, and wearing and wearing that on his – because it's his non-throwing hand, correct? I'm guessing. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hand he's been wearing that glove and been taping it up. So I don't doubt that at all one bit. And uh, – I'm surprised that uh, he's been hanging on to the ball as long as he has. Gosh, if I had a freaking broken arm or a fractured arm, I'd be trying to get rid of that football before I get hit every time. So, geez. So, if we find out at the end of the season this happens, I think we might have 
the first take on this that we can maybe go back and say we were the first to maybe break that news. But also part of me feels like I was afraid to maybe bring it up because I don't want to get trouble. Yeah. This up because people usually, it seems like maybe reporters do maybe do know, but they'll get banned if they talk about injuries. Yeah. So. Well, we don't have to really worry about that since we're not officially covering the football team. So we're outside think, the, we're outside the system. Yeah. We're, we're outside we're, of the circle here. So it's yeah, all good. We, we can do what we need. Um, um I also have one more story for you, Kurt. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. So I uh, met up with a guy um, this week. We did lunch. Great guy. Super nice. And I found out that he is a Texas Tech alum. Oh, I said, yeah. oh, I'm, you know, I'm an alum of Washington State. We've got Mike Leach's connection. You know, go Mike Leach. And I said, so what are your thoughts on Mike Leach? And he goes, well, you know what Mike Leach is doing, right? He's trying to get paid for that last season. He's got a whole website. He's got things going on. I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. You know, and I wanted to hear from a tech alum what his thoughts were on it. Yeah. He said, I love Coach Leach. I love what he did for our program. We went to 10 bowls in 10 years. His words were, Texas Tech was not used to that kind of winning, which is true. There's some ungrateful Tech fans right now I've seen on Twitter, which I don't appreciate. But this guy was like, I love Leach. I love what he did for us. And I think it's wrong. I think he should get paid, and I would support it. Uh, he's kind of laughed because I thought it was kind of funny what, that, you know, Leach is kind of it's gone this far. You right. Know, years in, and there's a website, paycoachleach.com, I think. Um, but he also, which I had never, I had only heard about, but never met. He also went to the game we were at, Kurt, the Oregon, uh, WSU game. Oh, he yeah. drove down there with his kid to watch Mike Leach. He was that much of a fan. Wow. And, um, he said he loved it. He had a lot of fun. And so I just thought it was interesting from a tech alums perspective, which seemed to hear about, but never really interact that they, they, he at least likes Leach. There's still a lot of support there. He wants him to get paid and, WSU still this year, you know, what is it, six year with Leach, is still getting tech alums to come to WSU games. That's pretty incredible. Uh, to support it, which is pretty awesome. Um, so I just thought that was something fun uh, to watch uh, or to hear about uh, that, that still happens, that kind of connection. Um, but Leach is busy preparing for Arizona and Khalil Tate um, this week. And Khalil Tate has been playing unreal football. I believe he's ran for something – oh, my gosh. I have his rushing totals around here. Um, he ran for over 300 yards in his first game. Okay, let me just give you some quick Khalil Tate stats, Kurt, and then yeah. I want to hear your thoughts on the Arizona game. Uh, against Colorado, he had only 14 carries for 327 yards and four touchdowns. Against UCLA, he had 15 carries for 230 yards and two touchdowns. Against Cal, he had 17 carries for 137 yards and a touchdown, and that game went – into overtime at least once in all of these games he's had a 70 yard or more rushing score um, which is pretty unreal and he's completing around 70 percent of his passes now he's only throwing the ball 13 to 15 times he's pretty balanced he'll run right. between 14 and 17 times he'll throw between 13 and 15 times he's not throwing for that many yards he's throwing for around 150 one touchdown, two touchdowns. He's got one pick in one of these games, but he's completing a high percentage of them so far. I believe it's the first time since the 80s that he has been the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week three consecutive weeks, which is kind of surprising to me that it's, that it's Very incredible. Um, we're going down to Arizona. We're going to play in the heat, 80-some degrees. Um, how are you feeling about the game? How are you feeling about our defense that we've just been hyping up against Khalil Tate, who's basically doing – a Lamar Jackson impression and then some right now. 
Uh, do you feel confident or do you feel worried? Well, the, the only reason why I would say I'm not, I don't feel entirely confident, and I would say it's not necessarily a confidence in the fact that we're gonna that we're gonna lose, but it's just more of a uncertainty feeling. We're going to Arizona, and that trip to Arizona is the longest trip that we'll that we'll make um, this year, and barring any uh, any bowl game. But uh, I think it's going to be a tough, tough battle on a homecoming night for Arizona. That place is probably going to be rocking, and uh, it's going to be a, for Arizona. It, that's what I'm saying. It is homecoming, and so that's it's going to be good. a tough, tough environment to play in. And and going to Arizona is always an interesting, uh, interesting battle. Now, here's the thing: is WCU's won twice in a row down there, so. History on our side for under Mike Leach has been in our favor, which is good. We've won the last uh, three out of four as well. well. Last year's score, correct? Oh, yeah. One. Last year's was uh, one point away from a 70 burger. So it was 69 nice. 7. So, <clears throat> so I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that there's a little bit of uncertainty because of the environment we're going to be going down, and they're going to be pretty hyped up. Their their expectations and and their morale and and their confidence has definitely been boosted the last three weeks because of Khalil Tate. Now, here's the other thing: Arizona has just was it. They're coming off a team in Cal who we should have blown out, but we played the worst football game I've seen under Mike Leach, uh, or one of the worst games I've seen under Mike Leach. And two, they are coming off against a team that Washington State just beat 28-0. So um, I would say the competition that Tate has played against has nowhere near the sort of defense and the talent that uh, Washington State's going to bring to the table Saturday night. So what's going to what's going to overpower one um, over the other? Uh, I think WSU's um, talent and their uh, their coaching is definitely going to take over in this football game, Dave. I do think, however, it's going to be somewhere right around the spread. The spread's three points right now. I think it will be a close game. Um, just like I thought that the Cal game was going to be a close game, uh, but did not think that was going to be a loss. Uh, I think that this is going to be a pretty darn close game, and you can always bank nighttime in Tucson in a big game leads to what? That's right. Hashtag pack twelve after dark. I think there's going to be a, <laughs> I think there's going to be some craziness happening in this day in this game, Dave. Um, I honestly think that there's going to be some weirdness going to happen, and don't know what it is. You'll never know until you watch the game. But uh, I'm calling it close, Dave. I'm calling it close. Three points, probably going to be the winner for us down on the road. And uh, I don't know if it's going to. I don't think it's going to come down to a game-winning kick. Um, but I think it's going to be up to the defense holding Khalil Tate out of the end zone to win the game. So you got a score prediction for me? Oh, okay. We'll go that route. Um, we'll go, I think we'll go, I think we'll do like a 38, 35 win. Um, I think that's where I'm going to settle on 38, 35. 35. I don't feel like you really trust believing in our defense, Kurt, with that kind of a score, but that's well, fine. because I'm 
right there with you and that I feel like on paper we are a better team. We match up really well, actually, with, I think, this offense. So do I. But the heat, it just, yeah, there's something weird that when we go to Arizona, we just kind of, yeah, it's just kind of spaz out and never seem to play. Not never. I shouldn't say never. You know, we've we've won in Arizona, down in Arizona. But it just, I don't know. It seems to have a weird effect on the team. I've felt that way uh, for a little while. I, you know, you did talk about um, them playing some bad defenses recently. Um, you know, Cal is 71st against the run. Usually is 73rd against the run. Colorado is 91st against the run. So out of 100 and I think like 20-ish teams um, in NCAA. They're and bad. Wazoo's ranked 18th against the run. So a lot better. Here's where I, I don't feel like this is a power run game where they got this just um, bruising offensive line and they're going to run straight down your throats like uh, Stanford might try and do that. Uh, this is a, a very speed, quick, uh, run-pass option kind of an offense, whether it's uh, misdirection, it's going to hand it to the running back, he's going to hold it, he's going to have a chance to pass it, but he's got the opportunity to run with it. There's a lot of misdirection. kind of reminds you of, of the Oregon offense. I was, just about, to say, I was just about to say, Dave, I was going to ask you, um, you know, how many times are we going to go through this where, you know, we saw what this defense was able to do on the road against Oregon and the Oregon team that runs, I would say the same offense, but very similar, uh, read options sort of offense where they're, they're trying to get guys in space and, uh, the defense was able to play, play with them. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's somewhat similar Dave. What do you think? I, I believe that. Yeah, I think um, Khalil Tate's a much better passer than Burmeister, but I think they can run um, a, a similar kind of uh, deceptive offense with a lot of rushing. Uh, and they've got a pretty good running back down there, too, in Arizona. Um, but I really feel like this defense is built well for it. I mean, speed D. We've got a lot of really fast guys. Um, uh, Justice Rogers. Last name Rogers? Yep, right? Justice Rogers, old quarterback from Bellevue. He actually had a great game against Clark. He was one of our highest-graded players last week, which was good to see because I, I was a little worried about him on the last podcast we had. I think I brought that up. Um, Frankie Luvu is super fast. He's playing really well. Like, I can't talk enough about him. Obviously, we got Hercules. Um, even our secondary, I feel like uh, Jalen yeah. Thompson is really fast. and can. You have to have a secondary that can make plays, I think, against – Khalil Tate, because if you make one guy miss, Khalil Tate will get to the secondary real quick, and he's made guys take really bad angles on him to go 70-plus yards, like I talked about, all the way to the house. Right. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if, hey, one of our guys misses a tackle, um, someone gets deceived, and then you've got Khalil Tate in the secondary, and you've got to have a guy that can wrap him up. I'd feel good with Jalen Thompson because he's so fast uh, to be able to get there. And Khalil Tate is a true sophomore. He just turned 19. Yeah, this week. He's prone to make a mistake. So I see this game. I see this. People would think this will be a very high-scoring game because people still think Mike Leach offense and Rich Rod offense. Okay, this is gonna be a high-scoring game. I'm gonna go with it being a lot lower scoring. Um, I'm thinking. Oh, I'm torn right now. What I think the Cougs are gonna get. Um, I'm thinking 24-21. Wow, you don't uh, think the Cougs are gonna be able to move the ball on them, huh? I think the I think the Coug offense isn't quite clicking like it still has been, and right. the defense seems to be clicking. So I am going to go off what I've seen: um, an offense that's going to get a probably that just got 28 last week, that did terrible against Cal the week before, that still feels like they haven't quite clicked. Going into Arizona in the heat might be a little bit of a slow start, but I think the defense shows up and we hold them to just 21 in this game, and we hold Khalil Tate for under 100 rushing yards. Um, and he probably carries the ball about 18 times. That's my pick. 
I'm feeling good about it. I'm good. excited about this game. I think this is really a game to really test this team, uh, to really show our mettle and to back up what we say we are, particularly defensively, uh, that if we really are 15 in the nation, that if our defense really is, um, you know, as, as good as we've been hyping it up, as, you know, 12th best run defense, all these things, then we prove it in Arizona. And we have, you know, we've done pretty well so far, obviously only losing one game, but I, I really feel like this is a game you have to win if, if you want to be who you say you are. Right. Well, I hope you're right, Dave. Um, I hope we're both right with uh, scoring, um, scoring predictions, at least for the victories. Uh, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a good game to watch. Honestly, it's going to be a great evening game to cap off your night watching on the PAC 12 network. And so I think, uh, yeah, Dave, I, 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 I also, I haven't heard much out of Pullman lately about Isaac Dotson. I don't know if he's been practicing or not. I know that they tried to bring him back and play. I think it was, it was the Oregon game that he tried to come back and play in and ended up leaving again with injuries. Yeah, and so I I hope there's a there's an opportunity for him to come back this year. Obviously, we will we'll never know until until that actually happens. But um, yeah, I think Justice Rogers has done done a pretty darn good job filling in for for him. And Jahad Woods is a, is a new revelation for that defense. They're all just fast. They all play fast. I think Coach Grinch just allows them to play fast. Um, just play instinctful football. Uh, they they really just they just really rely on on a group of guys that we really didn't have any faith in heading into this year, and that's the defensive line. I mean, they just they're the ones that set the tone up front, Dave. When it comes to guys trying to uh, teams trying to throw the football, we don't allow quarterbacks to really just sit back there and throw the football on us they're they're always under a little bit of duress and and then especially running the football we've seen it against usc we saw it against oregon and i'm thinking we're going to see it against arizona this weekend where guys are getting in the backfield and messing up with that mesh point of trying to run that read option and and guys are just shooting the gaps and getting in there and causing all sorts of havoc in the backfield. So uh, this defense is only going to continue to go as far as this defensive line plays. I still don't have a ton of confidence in our corners. Um, I still think that they're... You should believe. You need to be a believer. I want to be a believer, but I just don't know. I still think there's just too many scars, man. There's too many scars from, from previous Cougar football years and... Um, I'm not saying the defense is bad, Dave. I'm still I'm a believer in the defense is really good, but the defense is really good because of the way the defensive line and the linebacker play has been has been as well. I just don't think there's just been a there just hasn't been a lot of opportunities for the corners to make mistakes and make plays. What? We're getting an interception in this game. I I would love that. I think there's that would be great. I mean, is that going to come from the safety position? Because the corner. safety's been playing well. Okay, the corners. All right. Well, there's a there's a there's a good there's a good take there. There you go. So, all right. We'll put that on the books. We'll, we'll right. revisit that Kurt, next week. A, it has been a wonderful time uh, wrapping up uh, yeah. the Never Punt podcast. I unfortunately I have to run. I hate, I hate to. No, you're good. I actually do want to ask you. Costume. I wanted to ask you one question before you go, Dave. Yeah. Cougs win this weekend. Do we get game day in Pullman next weekend? 
Nope, we don't because Stanford's not very good. God, Stanford, what in the world? They just pooed this whole thing away, didn't they? They well, there's a lot better other. There's many other better matches. At least they won because if they would have lost, that just would have been so bad for the Pac-12. That would have been so bad for us. So it would kill our strength of schedule. Too. Oh gosh! All right, Dave. Well, um, thanks for joining. Uh, thanks everyone for subscribing and, and joining along the uh, Never Pun Podcast train as we continue to move on through the season. And Dave will talk next week. And yes, we're gonna call out your freaking takes that you made. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to it. You know, I'm gonna hold you to it. So, all right, everybody, we'll have a great weekend of watching football. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>